We stand together, united as one. Forward on we go, facing friend and foe. We will know what it is. We have not time for that. If we make mistakes, we are lost. Hello and welcome to the Alleycast um, with me, Steve O'Connor. So uh, I'm recording this uh, a couple of days after um, completing the uh, brand new Spine Sprint Race. Um, and you know what? I'm feeling really, really good. Um, I've got to say that it was probably the best event, uh, the hardest uh, and the best event that, that I've definitely ever taken part in. So I would heartily recommend anybody um, having a look at that and you know the original spine race is 268 miles long from Edale up until uh, up to Scottish borders basically Kirk at home um, but it's a lot more accessible now and you, you can do what I did the sprint which is a uh, 46 mile um, run hike um, whatever you want to do from Edale um, up to um, up to Hebden Bridge and it, it's a really great race I, I'm, I'm, I haven't even got to the post-event low yet, which I know I'm going to get to, um, and I've, I've talked about this with Carl Russian actually. But what, where you you know you've had such a great time, you've had that sort of adventure out there, and then suddenly you're back to normal life. I haven't had that yet um, because I'm still actually on the event high because it it was that good an event. I, I, I could ramble on about it all day, uh, and no doubt in a, in a couple of podcasts time I, I will do. Um, on that um, subject though, the guy I have got on today, I'm really really excited about. It is an ultra runner called Damien Hall. Now, if you don't know of Damien Hall, if you're not sort of following the ultra running world. Um, he came into uh, running late in life after being a, a, a travel journalist, running journalist, um, and last year uh, he uh, claimed the fastest known time for the Pennine weight, um, stealing it from uh, a guy who claimed the fastest known time only a week earlier, John Kelly. Um, who had claimed it from uh, uh, Mike Hartley, who had set it 35 years earlier. So, so this record is for 35 years, and these two guys went out and, and, and broke that record in the space of a couple of weeks. Um, and then John Kelly went back out this year and, and claimed it back from Damien by, you know, by another sort of three hours. Crazy times. Um, and I've got much more of an appreciation of the work that those guys put in. When you consider it took me just under 15 hours to get from Edale to Hebden Bridge uh, and John Kelly this year went out and did the whole of the Pennine Way in just over 57 hours. So, you know, 260-odd miles. So it's some sort of achievement. So, yeah, anyway, I've got Damien Hall on today. Um, he also claimed another fastest known time for the Coast to Coast um, he's a top 10 place in the oh, maybe was it top 10 top 10 or top 5 I can't remember I didn't even ask him in the podcast um, in the UTMB as well he now works as a coach uh, and obviously still takes part in events as well he is also a very keen environmentalist when he did the Pennine Way not only did he go out and break the fastest known time but while he was doing it he picked up all the litter along the way as well uh, and he's an absolutely top bloke really um, really humble really sort of self-deprecating about everything He's got a book out at the moment um, called In It For The Long Run. Can highly recommend that. Um, you need to you, you just go out and read the book because it, it, it's really sort of down-to-earth book. I just about 
the joy of running and the events that he's taken part in. So I'll get straight over to the podcast anyway, um, and the interview with Damien, uh, and I'll also um, tell you at the end of the podcast where you can get a little bit more information about him, where you can watch some of the films he's been involved in, um, and yeah, so straight over to my cast, uh, to my interview um, with Damien Hall. So uh, I think I think my wife's got a bone to pick with you because you've sort of uh, you've set me off on my sort of spine journey as well, which I started this weekend. So uh, that's going to take up a lot of my time. <laughs> um, I've got, so I've got a few things to sort of want to speak to you about, really, about mindset. Um, I'm, I'm halfway through reading your book at the minute, which I know you're really sort of self-deprecating about, but it's actually a really, really good book. Um, oh, thank you. It is, and I think you know the, the only reason I haven't finished it yet is I'm just a really, really slow at reading books because I sort of read a few pages and think I'm going for a run. So that's <laughs> 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 a remark. So if we just talk about you, you're you're pretty much like me. You you came into running quite late in life, really, didn't you? As as a serious sort of pastime. Yes, uh, it was 2011. I think I think I was 35, possibly 36. Um, and yeah, I sort of, I, I, I mean, I was fairly active. I, I'd play football. I play five-a-side football back then, and I enjoyed hikes, hikes at the weekends. Um, but yeah, I signed up for a half marathon on, on sort of a bit of a whim, really. I just mm. felt a little bit unfit, and, and uh, I was living in Bath, and there's, you know, the, the half marathon there is huge, huge event, um, and you sort of see it advertised, and after a while, you sort of just. I suppose with, with quite, as with quite a lot of advertising, after a while you sort of give in, I suppose, uh, which, you know, is good and bad. Um, and, yeah, I just absolutely loved it. I, I enjoyed the training and then just loved the, loved the day itself um, and, and just sort of thought, yeah, I want to do more of this. Um, uh, and, and sort of the next year I was doing my first, first marathon and first ultra marathon. Mm. Um, and they're both very memorable. But, yeah, certainly the ultra marathon, I think because it was in, yeah, more greater sense of camaraderie with, yeah. with the other runners and, and and the scenery and 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 the sense of achievement and also the aid stations of course are much much yeah. better you know you, you yeah. sit down it's like a yeah it's like a children's party isn't it <laughs> where, where there are no children to, to steal all the good food so it's um yeah i just fell in love with it straight away i think and and, and was hooked what was it that you were getting for running do you think that you've not got from from the other things you've done you played football and things in the past hadn't you and you know what, what was it the running that was bringing you yeah, I, I guess I'm still probably trying to work that out. But um, definitely there was a big contrast for me. And one of the little themes of the book, I think, is that um, maybe the difference between team sports and, and solo sports. Um, and I had always wanted to be in teams, I realise now. Um, and I, I, I even trace that back to my childhood of sort of whenever I started new school, I started kind of on my own, uh, you know, out of sync with everyone else. And and I think that made me feel like an outsider, and I really wanted to belong to groups and teams, yeah. maybe more than some people. Um, so I, it was maybe natural for me that I wanted to be in football teams. And then when I played football, I started that a few years later than most people, mm. so I was rubbish. Um, <laughs> uh, so it took me quite a while to catch up, but I, I, I really did stick at it. Because um, I remember, yeah, I mean, I remember not being selected for teams. Like, I was sub- I was sub for the school team, but I remember we were in a final and we were losing and they could bring on one more sub and they didn't bring me on. You know, it was that sort of, you know, that's how good I was. I know, I know that um, feeling. <laughs> oh, right, right. Um, but I, 
but I persisted, and over years I did get better. Mm. But um, and you sort of find your level a bit, don't you? But yeah. um, but I never really. I don't know. There was something about trying something solo that you, you're not letting anyone else down, really. Um, this meeting is being recorded. Sorry, that's just kicked um, in. Good God. <laughs> that, that's all right. Um, yeah, I feel like you're not you're not necessarily letting anyone else down. I mean, really, no one seems to care that no. much about <clears throat> your running. Not really. Um, so it's only really you that's sort of disappointed or or, or, mm. or frustrated or, or or knows almost if you didn't get up in time for that run. Um, there's something kind of refreshing about that, and there's something about the discipline of sort of going out, you know, most days, which I quite like. Quite like having, you know, a training program, and you, yeah. you, you can look ahead to, to months ahead. Uh, um, and over time, yeah, I've learned to love the training more than the uh, more than the races and the challenges, actually, which I think is quite an important turning point. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, there are lots of things. I mean, yeah. It, but above anything else, for me, it's having adventures. So when you go and do something like a Bob Graham round or a Paddy Buckley round, or um, all right, you could say they're, they're quite sanitized because the route's quite well established mm. and so on nowadays, but you can still have great adventures there, you know, if the weather's a bit a yeah. bit mischievous or you yeah, get yeah. a bit lost or or it's just a great time out with a mate, you know. And But they're fairly safe in most circumstances, mm. you know, fairly safe <laughs> adventures, and you can have several of these adventures in a year, and they're really quite, um, you know, addictive is, is a tricky word, isn't it? It's a bit yeah. loaded, yeah. but but I want to do lot, you know, I want to do them and do them. And, mm. and I, I'm certainly, I'm not alone in all that. And it, but it's difficult to describe, if I'm honest. Yeah, there are lots of facets to it, but it's it's great, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it is. It's brilliant. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm glad you've said that about adventure as well, because I was, you know, when I first came into running, I was, I was quite competitive. Um, and, you know, your half marathons are really, really just sort of pushing for, for, for that time. And I think getting into the ultramarathon world now, I, I've really embraced the adventure side of things. Um, you know, the weekend was a great adventure and I'm, I'm looking forward to having many more. But what what was your first ultramarathon that, that you actually took part in then? So in, in 2012, it was The Wall, um, yeah. which I've just uh, just took place last week, I think, mm. uh, which, yeah, I coached a couple of people, uh, a couple of clients mm. for. Um, yeah, and, and that was, I did a two-day option. I'm not sure if they still do that. Yeah, but, they do, yeah. yeah. Um, right, right. Well, um, and I mean, now, if I'm totally honest, like that event, wouldn't appeal that much to me now in that I prefer, I suppose, more, more rugged, more, more lumpy races. But at the time that was kind of, kind of mind blowing that, that the distances you could cover and, and there were a couple of lessons. I mean, people did warn me, of course, that, yeah, when you do the two day option, you wake up the day after you've run longer than you've ever run before. And, and, you know, your, your body's in bits, but you've got to go again. Um, but your body, you know, it was amazing how your body did just warm up. You, you took your first few steps or, and you just thought, oh, this isn't going to work. Um, but half an hour, an hour later, um, things had loosened up. Your body had stopped protesting so much. And then I had this moment quite near the end, actually, where, um, yeah, I was just convinced I could only hike. I, you know, I, I, it was flat, but I was like, I'm, I'm done. You know, I'm too sore. I'm too mm. tired. No one could possibly run in these conditions, I was telling myself. Yeah. Um, and then I think I do remember I do do remember a female runner uh, running past me quite briskly and thinking <laughs> oh, um, but more than that I remember seeing the finish line about a mile ahead in Newcastle City Centre. It was one of the bridges, mm. and um, and suddenly I was running again without even considering it. You know, it was just like yeah. oh, so I just had some positive information, and suddenly I could run. So my body, you know, my mind had been playing a trick on me really. Yeah. So that was really fascinating and goes right back to sort of the the research by sort of. Um, uh, Makora and, and, and Tim mm. Noakes and 
stuff like that and and, and that brilliant book um endure by alex hutchinson yep. Who, yep. who hopefully most people have read now mm. um just that fascinating idea of sort of what fatigues first the mind or the body and 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 how your body might uh, resist you and play tricks and or is it the mind playing tricks you know and then if it is how do you sort of overrule it and it's a it's a fascinating um yeah, fascinating aspect of the sport, I think. Um, yeah, but those are my two main sort of memories yeah. uh, from that race. Yeah, I mean, it, it was great last weekend um, on the spine because Phil's now obviously put in place this new spine sprint option. Um, and there was there was a lot of people who had never done a, an ultra marathon before in their lives and turned up and did the, did the 46 miles just from, from Edale to, to Hebden Bridge. Um, oh, wow. And to Brilliant. and to, I when I got to the the finish line at Hebden Bridge with, with, with all those guys, there was probably about five or six people there who'd never done one before, and not one of them said that they would never do it again. They were all they were all looking for the next. <laughs> they all wanted to sign up for next year. So yeah, so that 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 sprint option, I think that that Phil's sort of brought in for the for the spine race now is is going to bring a lot of people into the uh, into the spine race. I think, and I think there's going to be bigger waiting lists in the future for that. Oh, that is that is yeah, that is a clever option. Um, yeah. and, and a good friend. I haven't I haven't raced for ages, but a good friend of mine did a did a thirty k race um, in sort of um, Wales, yeah, sort of mid Wales a few mm. weeks ago, and and he said <clears throat> he said yeah, there were so many people he was running with who were brand new to it, mm. you know, asking for nutrition advice and so on, and, and he was just for, you know and he was doing quite well in the race. He was in the top twenty, yeah. Um, but everyone around him was new to it, so I, I mean, we, we might be in for an exciting new. New generation, a new era of the sport. Um, I just hope too many of them aren't too fast, so that I can still do all right. <laughs> well, I think I think last year, obviously, you know, there was no sort of races last year, was you? And, and certainly, yourself and John Kelly captured the captured a lot of people's imaginations with the, the that epic FKT battle. Uh, was going on last year because uh, you know I think everybody within the running world I was speaking to was was totally invested in that and uh, you know when when sort of John went out and you know even with his stomach issues sort of got, got the FKT you know we thought it was going to be a real sort of a real battle for, for you to actually do that but you you know you went out you picked litter up and you and, and you beat him. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I, I like that we're talking about last year rather than... Yeah, this year. yeah, I've, I've, I've not brought that up yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was that was really, really exciting, re- mm. obviously really satisfying and, and, yeah, brilliant to share it with people because at the time, a lot of the preceding months before that had been in lockdown and, and I hadn't really seen other runners, um, really not at all, mm. you know. Um, and none of us had raced and then suddenly... Um, I think some of us were a bit nervous about it, including me. Like, mm. I'd hardly seen anyone, but we were allowed to mingle. Us, I think it was six you're allowed yeah. at a time. I can't remember the exact regulations, but we were sticking to them. Um, and suddenly you could run with other people. And, and actually, it was a, for me anyway, that much as it might not have looked looked like it on my face, there was a huge sense of kind of free, you know, liberation from it of, of you know, we can still get out and run and have adventures with, with other people. And mm. um, there was a great element of that to it. Um, I mean, obviously, it was it was quite exciting having, yeah, going just a few days after John and s- several of the same runners, you know, were, were who had helped John were helping me yeah. and um, and Nikki Nikki Ligo, yeah. Yeah. who's who's become world famous crew person, you know, <laughs> much in demand, um, who helped John and then me. Um, yeah, it was really really special, really memorable. Yeah, one one of the greatest memory sort of running memories of my life, I think. Um, mm. And then he was even there at the finish line. Yeah. Um, to congratulate me, which was pretty incredible of him. I was I was really gutted I couldn't couldn't return the favour yeah. this time around yeah. um, due to family reasons. But um, 
you know that was um yeah really special really special feel very grateful to uh, to everyone who helped so on the on these ultra races obviously there are times when you're, you're around a lot of other people but you know there's there's times when you spend a lot of time on your own um you know as, as i found out over the weekend as well so what what is your sort of your mental um, your mental strategy of sort of coping with with those times when you're you're out there you're in the middle of the moors you're on your own it's black the rain's coming in you know what what's going through your mind? <laughs> um, yeah, a few different things. I mean, sometimes it's the classic sort of why the hell did I sign up for this? What an idiot! Have I forgotten how much it hurt last time? You know those, those sort of negative spirals that I think. Um, yeah, I promise you, even the people who are, you know, winning races and stuff, they're, they're going through those. Mm. Um, but then I, I, it's easy to forget that, you know, you, you, you did volunteer um, <laughs> to do it and, and you probably paid quite a lot of money mm. and you've probably spent months being excited about it and training for it, um, getting your kit ready, you know, and it's quite easy after just a few hours of it getting a bit tiring to, to start getting negative. So my number one rule actually is low mood, eat food. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I think it, it's become a bit of a cliche, but it's important to think of your your why. You know, why are you doing it? And that's going to be that's going to be totally individual for each, for each person. Um, you know, what what's your motivation? Um, I mean, a, a powerful one for me is simply you know thinking of my children, to be honest, and, and um, trying to set a good example for them. Um, you know, there, there are lots of metaphors, of course, from long distance running. You know, just about perseverance and not giving up and and, and things like that. That the, the, the I think I think can translate elsewhere in life. Um, I mean, my kids are, are never never very interested or impressed, but but it's still you know it helps me to think of them. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a really obvious one. Um, and I do think, yeah, when I was on an American podcast once, the guy sort of said, um, yeah, he thinks uh, parents have an unfair advantage in ultra running because we've got that you know that powerful <laughs> sort of uh, powerful button to press. But um, yeah, make it personal. Have a think about why you're doing it. I mean, a great one is simply raising money for for a cause that's personal to you. Um, Nikki Spinks, for example, she's always doing that. Even Randolph Fines, when he's done ultra running yeah. um, challenges, he's been raising raising money for cancer. Um, that you know that that that's personal to him. Um, and those two very very rarely quit. Um, mm. So yeah, make it personal and know your why. I think. So you, you said before that now you you probably enjoy the training a lot more than the events. What what does your training look like? How do you because you, you know you've got work, you, you you've got to sort of raise money and things as well. So how do you fit in that training around around normal everyday life and having a family? Um, I, I must admit it's it's much easier now than it than it used to be when mm. I started out. Um, I mean now yeah my main income is is coaching so you know, that's totally my thing. And it's sort of up to me, I guess, the hours, ultimately, the, the you know, w- when I work on that and, and how many hours I put in. I mean, obviously, if I don't put many hours in, I won't have many clients. But, um, but yeah, when I started out, yeah, I was doing nine to five sort of office works, mm. sub-editing on magazines. Um, and I had, yeah, two young children. Um, so sleep wasn't always there. And of course, my wife wasn't always thrilled if, you know, first thing on Saturday when it's her time to have a rest, I, I suggest going out for a four hour run. You know, that wasn't that wasn't a popular idea back then. Mm. Um, so, I mean, if I'm honest, I think, yeah, I did sacrifice sleep mostly. I mean, running commutes were quite useful for a time. Mm. Um, although, yeah, if we're really digging down, they can be counterproductive. I think if, you know, I was often running late, you know, running with a pack, straining a bit, you know, I think there was a time where that was useful, but a time where you end up running too much, maybe in the kind of middle zone, you know, the sort of, um, yeah, the, the sort of not effect, not productively fast, but but not productively slow either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for a time, and also I would, 
Well, well, yeah, this was almost counterproductive as well. I, a lot of my long runs would actually be sort of B races. Mm. Um, but actually, I improved significantly when I stopped doing so many races, I think, um, when I thought actually, you know, a good training run. What I started doing actually that made a difference, um, and, and I appreciate not everyone can do this, but I would, I would, you know, take half a day's holiday and block off, say, Friday morning, get up at four or five, even get to somewhere you know, like the Brecon Beacons, if, if that was appropriate to my training for, to, for the race I was training for. Um, but maybe be, you know, back at home at a desk by, by one or two or something. Um, but really, pro I really began to, you know, prioritise the training, maybe over my work more than over family, which, which you know, had my family a bit more on side and had me um, probably a bit happier too. Um, um, and I think that change actually paid off a bit. Yeah, racing a bit less. That was probably a key moment after about three or four years of this, hmm. racing a bit less um prioritizing yeah because otherwise i mean at the time if i'd go to a race and i knew my wife was um and, and i'm you know i'm embarrassed if this sounds a bit cliched but it, it did happen you know if she was a bit fed up that i was going away for the weekend uh you know probably rightly uh i, I wouldn't have a good race you know when that happened yeah. you know if we if yeah. you know if, if i had negative feelings because you know my family weren't happy about what i was doing that wasn't <clears> um that wasn't good for a race really especially a longer one um if you're going through the night and so on. So, um, yeah, I think those were key, key, key sort of changes I made. It's quite funny you say that now because it sort of got me thinking there because, let's say, I used to do a lot of the sort of the, the, the five, ten Ks. And I'd enter loads of them sort of in a year and, you know, end up with like a, a big sort of um, wall full of medals and, and, and T-shirts that I'm never going to wear, which is something we'll talk about because I, I saw your, your post on LinkedIn today. We'll talk about the T-shirts sort of later on. Um, so... You, you, and I think going into sort of ultra world and and taking in those, I've, I've really sort of dialed back that I might only I might only do sort of one or two events a year now, which gives me that why to train really, um, mm. because it is really important to to have that um, support from your partner and support from your family, and you can you can very easily sort of um, eat into that support, can't you? And weighing it away if you do too much. Yes, <laughs> yes, and we have you know. It sounds horribly cliched, and and I must say, you know, before I sound like a stereotype, I know lots of very good. Well, I know lots of female runners. I coach female mm -hmm. runners who, you know, it's the other way around for yeah, some yeah, for, yeah. for many couples. Actually, it's it's yeah. the woman who wants to run, and 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 possibly, you know, the male partner or, or another female partner who mm -hmm. who you know isn't a, um, <laughs> who needs some negotiation around. But yeah, the um, certainly there was there was a time where I sort of um, not had to bribe my wife, but you know, there was a payoff whether it was me giving you know getting her a gift or, or she picked the holiday that was quite a good one would be like i'm gonna i'm gonna be away for this race but you know you you decide what holiday we're doing mm. this year in the summer um we'll put real effort into that and, and and you know and it'll be more about you and and you getting rest um so yeah there was negotiation and payoffs at the time um i suppose as it's become my job it has got it has become a lot easier and um it's more accepted as well um and of course our kids are older so that does make it yeah. easier um yeah, yeah. Do you look at that with your your clients you're coaching as well? Obviously, do you really sort of dig deep into them as to what they sort of want to achieve? Because there's, you know, if you if somebody wants to go out and search a complete an ultra race, then the, the I would guess that they can sort of get away with doing a lot less training than if they want to sort of compete rather than complete. So do you, do you have to sort of dig down with your clients on on those sort of issues and see what they can they can put in time wise. Yeah, I do like to start off with that, actually. I mean, yeah, my first coach, um, 
who I mentioned in the book, I don't think had the right approach to, to, to several things. And, mm. and it, it was very much like you should, you need to train this much. You know, that was the starting point. Uh, and, and some other coaches after that, and I, I should name check. Yeah. Marcus Scottney, who coached me for a bit. Yeah. He was, who's a good friend now. He was, um, he was fantastic. Mm. Um, but he very much started the other way around. Like, right. How much, tr- how much time do you have each week to train? Yeah. And that, yeah. that's, that's where you need to start. Not you need to train this much because, because I've seen people do, you know, complete hundred miles on, yeah, 30 miles a week, mm. which, which to a lot of people sounds like nothing. Um, but you don't, yeah. And of course that is in most cases going to be a tougher hundred miler than, than if you did 50, 50 miles a week where you're going to be a bit fitter, mm. but it's perfectly possible. Um, a lot about our sport is, is maybe, I don't want to say easier than it sounds, but no. it kind of is. <laughs> yeah. um, it um, it is more accessible than it sounds. I think when when people hear the big numbers and the big mileage mm. numbers, um, but yeah, I think for anyone's training, it's it's got to start with what what's realistic for you. What you know, you know, if it, if it, you know, if it causes too much friction at home, or or, or just knackers you out properly, knackers mm. you out, you know, because you're not sleeping or you've got a stressful job, then it's been counterproductive and and and, and is going to make everyone you know sad and and and, and unhappy. Um, um, so I think that's the best way to start. How, how much training can you do? Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, even for me, that's, that was, that was a sort of revelation to me really. And I, 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 I was listening to somebody else on a podcast and I thought, hang, hang on, let me sort of take it from that sort of direction. Because when I first started out doing ultras, I think the first one was the Brecon to Cardiff ultra, which again, it, it's not, it sounds quite gnarly, but, but it's mainly sort of on road. Um, when you mm. do that one and I was going out every weekend and putting sort of 20, 30 mile runs in of a weekend um, and, and using up loads of that time and, and now really I, it, it's very rare that I sort of do any of those sort of distances. I do, you know, I'll build in sort of strength and conditioning and, 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 and just really sort of get out but yeah, I think people do think that if you're entering a sort of 50, 60 mile race that you're going out every weekend and covering those distances don't they and it's really not necessary is it? No, um, no, it, it's reasonably, yeah, I mean, a lot of my long runs are 14, 16 miles. Um, yes, yes, if I'm building for something big, then, well, it's very rare I'll do 30 miles in training. Um, <clears throat> my longest is usually 25, and there, are, there aren't many of them, to be honest. No. Um, but, but, but we are both probably talking from, from a, you know, where we've got several years of good aerobic training and, yeah. and and that takes years apparently takes years to sort of really build up and optimize and, and it will last you for years as well so um but even if someone's newer to the sport i'd recommend certainly spreading the miles throughout the week a bit more um and i tend yeah i mean on, on an average day quite often it's sort of 10 10 miles ish but but not not every day there's definitely at least one rest day and then one other day that's probably four five six miles um but most of the rest are pro- probably around 10 miles and then, and then a bit longer on one of the days, um, and yeah, and then when you get closer to a race, you go move into like a sort of specific phase of training, mm. and you you would do some, depending on the challenge uh, you're you're training for, you would do some longer runs in there. But yeah, the re- I mean, my training's on Strava. You you can see it's it's yeah. it's not huge weeks, and you you know, and it's not huge um, miles. I think a big mistake people make is. Yeah, thinking thinking fatigue is is you know validation of good training mm. when um, quite often it isn't. Um, yes, we are going to be tired sometimes, but you know being tired all the time and just trudging around really slow miles isn't 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 productive and it is possibly counterproductive. So um, yeah, yeah, smarter ways to train, I think. 
Brilliant. Yeah. So, sort of moving away from that now, looking at um, you know, if you if you troll YouTube, then you'll find sort of many videos of you taking on various challenges, and you know, um, the, the films on sort of Amazon and things, Cape Wrath and, and what have you. Um, when did you start to prioritize the environmental aspect of things? Because you know, you, you look at some of the old ones, and you know, you were you were eating meat, and you were doing things. You know, you're doing all sorts of other different things, and then. You see that sort of evolution of you to where you are now, where you know you're doing the Pennine Way, and it's the you've got the Extinction Rebellion uh, flag up in the van, and you know um, it just seems like a you know a completely different sort of methodology as regards the environment as as, as to where where you started. Yeah, I mean, um, I'll happily acknowledge I'm a, in some ways a, a sort of Johnny come lately on, onto the onto the bandwagon. Yeah. Um, I mean, I grew up grew up in in Stroud and Nailsworth in in the Cotswolds, um, where where <laughs> Extinction Rebellion were were formed actually, but yeah. I didn't know that at the time. Um, but um, yeah, my parents have voted green for for decades, so I grew up with that sort of mm. feeling that that sort that part of that you know the, those ethics, those political political morals, if you if you will, um, are really important. But I was just sort of ghosting along, I suppose, mm. like quite a lot of people. You almost get climate climate emergency fatigue because, you know, you see the headlines so often. You know, we've had the headlines for decades. Scientists and 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 the the big fossil, you know, the big polluters have known as well. Have known for decades what's going on. Um, and it's only more recently that it's you know just how alarming and how urgent this stuff is. Mm. Um, it's only really it was only seeing the protests of Extinction Rebellion. Um, that maybe think, oh, hold on, maybe, you know, it really is urgent. Yeah. So, for example, scientists agree that the, this decade we need to reduce global emissions by forty-five percent. You know, so yeah. almost half. Uh, you know, and that's that's an incredible amount. And yeah. and to me, it really looks like, and and to a lot of people, it looks like governments aren't taking that seriously. Really, aren't doing some of the really simple but powerful things they could be doing. Um, corporations and brands. I mean, some of them are doing good mm. things, uh, but maybe, yeah, not enough. Um, so, yeah, like like a lot of people, and, and I mean, Greenpeace are fantastic as well. Yeah. I've, I've sort of been raising money for them, and um, yeah, just feel really worried for for my children, yeah. I suppose, and for what what sort of planet are we passing on? Mm. Um, and and yeah, I had to look at my own lifestyle. I mean, there's a huge debate to be had of like, so for example, BP came up with the idea of a personal carbon footprint, right? So mm. You know, it's convenient for them to, to pin it on individuals. Um, I think we can all have more influence by, you know, um, hassling our MPs and, and, and mm. protesting and um, voting the right way when we can and so on. But but yeah, we can make individual improvements as well. And I, I've, I've looked at that um, as much out of curiosity as, mm. as anything. But it was easy to make a few changes that could radically sort of lessen my footprint. Um, or my family's footprint, um, and I've worked with a company called yeah, Our Our Carbon, who are yep. sort of carbon auditors. Um, I think that's going to become a really, mm. yeah, a really commonplace idea, yeah. Yeah. Um, thing in the, over the next few years. Um, um, but yeah, they sort of analyse my yeah my footprint and um, for previous years. I've just sent them. I'm a bit late, but I've just sent them sort of information yesterday actually for sort of this year. Like, what's my target for this year? Mm. Um, but yeah, I was flying. Got to be honest, I was flying, you know, too much for, for me. What I think is now an irresponsible amount. I wasn't, maybe wasn't really aware how bad that was. 
um now now i have a better idea of, of course we've all we've all not flown much lately so that's been um yeah a small blessing with the recent pandemic but yeah i made some changes i guess the really easy one people can make is, is switching to a renewable energy supplier mm. uh, such as bulb or ecotricity um just takes five minutes online um diet there are three big areas for for individuals is is sort of yeah mm. your travel your energy and your diet yeah. um diet i mean i i just I experimented sort of in veganism for, for a while and then and then plunged right in and that, i found that really really fun actually mm. and much easier than i thought um but not everyone has to be vegan but we probably all have to eat less less dairy and red meat um and then and then travel travel is trickier and that that's why i find difficult um i'm, I'm looking into electric cars at the moment but like they're still yeah. not that affordable to people mm. um and that's what yeah if i'm going to train to still be competitive at some of these races i want to do and to get to the races yeah, there's still going to be some some emissions, um, and I do what I do offset them, but that's not that's not perfect mm. at all. But mm. you know, at some stage, governments have to step up and help. You know, they should yeah. be subsidising. They shouldn't be subsidising farming. They should be subsidising electrical vehicles, mm. um, for example, um, and and yeah, rewilding and so on. I mean, it's it's um, it's there are there are it's, yeah. I was just reading. Where, what's that book? Oh, I've put it downstairs. Um, you know, there are lots of books on. Yeah. yeah, there's so many things they could be doing that they're not. Mm. Um, but yeah, I've probably waffled. <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. Waffled enough there. <laughs> um, so how how did the change in diet affect your training? Full full disclosure, I'm I, I try not to put a label on it, but I'm, I'm pretty much plant based. I don't eat any sort of animal products or anything like that. And I was a latecomer as well because I was sort of ten years in the armed forces, eating burgers, any steak you could throw at me, and, and drinking lots of beer. Yeah. So you know, it's only sort of in the past sort of seven or eight years really that 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 I've come to the, to the table and realised, oh, oh, hang on, there's, there's an issue here, and I need to do something about it. But how did how did that change in diet affect you uh, as an ultra runner? Uh, well, firstly, good good on you, uh, good stuff. Um, Thank you. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, I've I've definitely got some clients and friends who, who, and it does seem increasingly. Maybe it's just in ultra running. I don't know. It seems really common now that people are vegan or or have just cut down loads, you know, and don't put a label on it. Mm. Um, and I think it's probably helpful not to have a, a proper label on it. Um, or you could just call it, you know, low carbon eating, couldn't you, or something? Yes, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it's difficult to say. Some people say it's really helped, feel like it's really helped them. I don't, I don't feel significantly different if I'm honest. But I was never, I didn't re- eat a lot of red meat anyway. I used to, yeah, I did love chicken and most dairy, but I haven't, I couldn't tell you that I'm any better necessarily without it. I, I have worked, I do work with my friend, um, Rini McGregor, who's a sports dietitian. She, she kind of warns that, yeah, it's quite, it's easy to neglect your protein a bit. I have to sort of, I take some sort of powders to make sure I'm getting the protein in sometimes, sometimes I'll forget. And sometimes you're just not as full, like you have an evening meal and think, oh, that was good. And then you're, yeah, I don't know if you find this, but you're sort of starving hungry again by nine o'clock yeah. um, and you need more snacks. But then I like snacks, so that's <laughs> fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and I do I do take some supplements, uh, yeah, yeah. B12, D3, a, multi, a multivitamin. Um, so I, yeah, I would, I would urge people to maybe, and I did do it cautiously over a few months, mm. um, you know, gradually cut down and stuff. Um, I would urge people, you know, yeah, to be a bit careful when they're doing it and and especially with B, things like B, B12 that is linked to sort of fatigue if, you, if you're getting inadequate B12 in there. Um, and D, D3, we need a lot over winter anyway. Mm. Um, although I should, I should say I'm not, I'm not a qualified nutritionist <laughs> or, 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 or dietitian, but um, 
but yeah, I'm not sure that it's really made a difference to me. But some people think it really has helped them. So yeah. do you do you feel like it's helped you as a Do you know what? I'm so glad that you've just said what you said because a lot of people have said to me, you know, since I was sort of went plant based or whatever you want to call it, you know, do you feel massively different? Do you feel great? And I'm like, Well, I, I feel pretty much the same to be honest with you. I can still do what I, what, what I used to do and and I'm happy there. And the question they usually ask me then is, Well, well, why have you done it then? I'm like, Well, that's not the question. The question is, if I feel the same as you, why haven't you done it? Really? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, you know, I, I feel, I mean, ethically, I feel better. I'm, you know, my yeah. wife works in, in in the veterinary field. So we're, we're both sort of animal lovers and we've, we've got a house full of animals. And, you know, I, really, it was it was sort of an ethical decision for me initially because we, we had a horse and it was on a dairy farm and I saw the state of the dairy cows and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Um, wow. And that was really what sort of flipped me and sort of, sort of turned me because you know I was everybody worries about the meat industry, but the, the dairy industry for me was a lot worse. <laughs> the way they sort of do things, but I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole on the podcast anyway. Um, wow. Yeah. So um, looking at the, uh, you know, you said the, like I said, we, we talked about how you like the the, the events more than the, uh, sorry, the training more than the events. Have you got any sort of events planned now? Is it all coming back online or or are you? Yeah, I mean. It's a bit tricky. Um, I've got yeah, I've got a place at UTMB um, as I did last year, and 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 I'm actually quite looking forward to experimenting with yeah, probably probably getting trains out there mm-hmm. rather than flying, yeah. Yeah. which is um, again you know it's so frustrating because I can yeah, a flight is now yeah, thirty quid or something, isn't it? And yeah. and like it shouldn't be that way. Like um, you know, it shouldn't be that the the the, the less harmful way for the planet is the more expensive way. Like it. Um, some countries, France and Germany, have made made some good, you know, progress there. But you know, we're 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 doing the opposite. We're mm. we're subsidising domestic flights and so on. Um, but um, and um, yeah, so I'm I'm trying to get excited about it. It's difficult to know. I think something will happen. There'll be some sort of race on, I imagine. Um, but it'll be individual countries and who can travel and who's on an amber list and so on. Yeah. So. I'm not totally sure I'm going to be doing it. So I'm sort of, yeah, open-minded, not counting on it too much. And it's not the end of the world if I can't. I've, I've done it four times. So, um, yeah, that's the next big one. Um, and after that, I do, yeah, I do have a place rolled over for the for the spine. Um, will I see you there in, in January? Uh, yeah, well, actually, I did the I did the spine sprint uh, and then immediately signed up for the, there's a brand new race in January. I'm not sure you, you know about the, the Challenger oh. North. Um, oh yes, so like a hundred miler at the top, the top yeah, bit, or so the it, second. Oh. Yeah, so that's a hundred and sixty miles from Hawes up to um, to Kirk at home. So yeah, so I'm signed Oof. up. I'm signed up for that. <laughs> oh, brilliant! So yeah, really, really, really excited about that. So I've just, um, I've just spoken to a a, a, a guy who's going to sort of give me some coaching and what have you as regards to that. So yeah, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to taking part in that. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's exciting. Oh, it's really exciting. I, I think you know, even this year's summer spine has been really, really exciting. I don't know whether, you, I, I, I don't know whether you saw the other night whether you've been dot watching, but I think more people were watching uh, a young lady called Jane Davy. Who was? Um, oh yes. Who was the final lady to finish the challenger? Then was watching Ian Keith. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, no, that was amazing because she oh. was fundraising, and, and I, um, yeah, I, 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 tw- I tweeted that because it was so such a yeah. What was the word? A tearjerker because you could see she probably wasn't going to make it, but it almost didn't matter because she no. she achieved. She, um, she got there. And that, yeah. And that that goes back to what we were talking about. Actually, her why, mm. her why was to raise money for that kid. 
Um, and that's such a powerful thing. And yes, yeah, she didn't quite get there, but she was so close and she's still, to my mind, she still achieved oh, you certainly. know, an amazing thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she, she was I, I hope she's not too disappointed. No, I hope she's not. No, because I know what I was looking at that sort of in the morning um, when, when it first sort of came to light, she was going to be the last one on the course. And I think she'd raised about £60. Um, uh, and then by the I looked again today, and I think she's up to about two and a half thousand pounds now somewhere around there. Brilliant. So, so really, you know, if you know, and may, maybe that was the reason that that she she had to be in that position. You know, there was there was there was a reason for that, wasn't it? She's she's raised that yeah. money now. So, but no, it was yeah. I did I did actually see her on the course at uh, um I probably where was it a tour side going up towards Black Hill. Um, okay. I, I sort of passed her there at the time, and she still had a smile on her face, and that's that's a really horrible climb up to up to black hill isn't it so uh, but yeah she, yeah she... but isn't that wonderful doesn't that encapsulate the spirit of our sport i totally. I, I think and i hope and how quickly people got on got on to supporting her because yeah. um it was in my client group that i spotted it i've got a whatsapp group my clients mm. one of them mentioned it but then also a friend of mine at the same time got in touch with it like all within a few minutes yeah um and yeah i was watching um, I was refreshing her fundraising page and watching that shoot because it was, yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. wonderful. Um, and just how quickly people got behind it, and, and that, you know, I, that, that, that was so cool. That was really wonderful. I thought. And I'm usually in bed at nine o'clock, and I was in bed about half past ten, and I was still refreshing the tracker, and she kept losing signal. I was like, oh, "Come on, you've got to do this." So, but no, no, it was it was really good. It was, um, uh, yeah. Uh, so I thought if you looked at the page say more people were sort of t- concentrating on Jane Davis I thought it, it poor Ian's up there sort of slogging it out and nobody's yes. taking any notice <laughs> of him at the minute because uh, he came barreling past me when he, he started I think four hours after me because obviously they had wave starts this year um, mm. and he came barreling past me when I was about the 30 mile point just shot past me and I thought wow oh yeah <laughs> but uh, no it was ec- excellent from there uh, excellent from him um, brilliant so um, as we're talking about the Pennine Way, <laughs> have you got any plans to to reclaim that FKT? <laughs> um, I would say I haven't I haven't ruled it out. Yeah, I, I don't think I've got time this year, mm. uh, but I haven't ruled it out. Now that's my current brilliant. That's my current thinking. Yeah, yeah. but I must say, John. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought I think everyone knew he he had a stronger run in him than the the run he did because he had all those tummy problems but Mm. it was still like yeah I mean if he effectively went six hours you know six and a half hours quicker than his previous run that was quite that was quite something so yeah it was an extraordinary run by him um but yeah haven't ruled it out you never know unless you try right that's right do you think it makes any difference that the south to north or the north to south yeah it's a curious one um yeah, I, I would always probably go 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 south. Mm. Um, I mean, it could even just be a mental thing where you're going downhill. You know, got the, <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny people say that, but actually, um, Edel's higher up than Kirk Yetum, so oh, right, it, okay. it's not yeah, really. Yeah. But I mean, there's not much in it. No. But um, but um, whether it's even a mental thing that that you've got the Cheviots done, you know, I mm. I can't imagine. You know, when he did the spine race. It is quite wearying thinking I've got the Cheviots ahead, yeah. which is like, for those who don't know, is kind of the longest, remotest, hilliest section right at the end. Mm. So it's quite, um, you know, that that's going to play on your mind a bit, I think. And it's nice to have that done. And it's actually quite fun doing it early on, whereas it's daunting late on. And you get you can't get much road support in there. Well, you can't really get any, really. Whereas when you go south, you can get loads of road support and, and, and it's a lot more populous. Um, also... 
Yeah, so I think that's the main consideration. Mind you, I mean, Sabrina Verger, when she ran it, she found, of course, you're, if you're going south, you're more likely to be going against the weather. Yes, yeah. And she found strong winds hampered her for, for a long, long time. So mm. if you're a bit unlucky, it might not be the best um, direction. But I, I'd probably, yeah. I mean, me, John, Mike Hartley all had a better time when we went south. Mm. So um, there's, some, there's something in it, something in it, even if it's only mental. Brilliant, brilliant. So before you go, um, can we just chat, chat about um, Trees Not Teas? Because I'd say I noticed you'd be, become an ambassador for, for those, haven't you? Yeah, so um, I should, should full confession, my, my wife does work for them. And okay. um, my, my um, you know, Jim Mann, who's the co-founder, has yeah. you know, been a long-term friend. Um, who's, who's for those who don't know, he's he's busy. Sort of, he had a second child recently, so he's been pretty busy and, and hugely busy with trees, not teas, because mm. they've absolutely sort of mushroomed out of control, almost um, um, not out of control, but, but like yeah, hugely. It's been really successful. Um, for those who don't know, yeah, it's just the simple idea, really. J- Jim already had an ecology degree and, and already had some land that he was sort of rewilding and using, and um, and then he he had the idea that you know all these all these wasted sort of t-shirts. Um, and t-shirts might sound a bit trivial, but but actually they're, 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 they you know there's a lot of CO2 emitted when and I think it's um, no I won't say anything rather than say the wrong thing, but but there's a lot of CO2 emitted and a lot of water used to make them really alarming amount. Um, and then if it's tech t-shirt, um, actually that's plastic, so it doesn't you know if you throw it in the landfill, it, it, it takes centuries to yeah. um, to actually sort of biodegrade. So and while it's doing that, it's emitting methane from the landfill as well. So so yeah, t-shirts are surprisingly bad, and, and obviously running has a t-shirt problem because because all these races um, create t-shirts, and, and you sort of understand why. And, and no one wants to take them away totally, but you know when we've already, you know, how often have we accepted a t-shirt at the end of the race without even thinking, and then chucked it in a drawer and not used it? I, I think most most runners would, could put their hand up, um, and shouldn't feel too guilty about that. But but now, if if a race has signed up for trees not teas, which which lots of them have, hundreds of them have in, in the UK. Um, and they're just launched in the US. Um, you know, you can simply tick a tick a box to say actually you'd rather have a tree planted than than, than another T-shirt, um, and that's going to support you know trees not teas um, work. In, in in they're buying you know they're they're hurriedly buying new land because they really believe you, you know you've got to own the land otherwise you plant loads of trees and then in a decade later the land gets sold to mm. someone else and, and they might just knock it all down and build something. So um, you know they're investing in built buying land so it's it's permanent. Um, and yeah, so I'd just say to people, please, you know, if, if a race isn't signed up, you know, just politely mention it to them. Maybe yep. they don't know. Um, and it's a step, you know, it's a step in the right direction, but also it just keeps it on the agenda. It keeps climate, our climate emergency on the agenda. You know, we're talking about it now because it, because it's such a simple but effective scheme. Um, and it's, yeah, just a step in the right direction. Okay. Uh, brilliant. Um, and just lastly, um, just say just before you go, if you, if somebody was out there now and maybe they've completed the marathon and and they're wondering about sort of completing an ultra marathon, what would be the sort of three best bits of advice that you'd give them? Um, I think the first one is yeah, I mean go for it. It's been it's been life changing for me, um, uh, and and I would say probably lots of yeah lots of friends that I have. Um, it's not as intimidating as as it sounds. I um, partly because no one really cares about what time you did so. You can almost not look at your watch and just relax, and, and you know you can you can hike the hills and eat a load of cake, and it's almost scenic, and um, you don't really have to train any harder than you might for a marathon. If I'm honest, you know, depends how seriously you want to take it. But um, 
I don't know how many tips that was, but but you know, it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of easier. It's uh, and I would say, yeah, like a thirty thirty miles on the trails is is in most cases is less less hard on your body than a marathon on the road, yeah. um, which is really brutal. I mean, tarmac's the the most brutal surface you could possibly run on, um, and if it's flat, you're, you're bashing your you're sort of bashing your um, joints in exactly the same way time and time again. Whereas when you're on trails and a, a few hills, hills sound harder, but actually you, you're utilizing different muscles, different tendons to go up and down the hill. Um, and you're getting, you know, more varied, a more varied workout. And you're not stressing your body in the same repetitive way. All right. You might be out for a few hours longer, but you can walk some of those miles and mm. yeah, take on the cake. And um, yeah, I've, seen, I've had amazing adventures, made amazing friends. Um, it's been yeah, it's been like it's been life changing for me, and and it could be for you too. Exactly, oh, that was quite that was quite, <laughs> a bit over the top, wasn't it? <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, look, thanks so much for your time, Damien. Um, I will definitely see you at uh, probably when you pass me in um, in January <laughs> <laughs> at some point. Uh, no doubt, I'll be I'll be suffering through the snow somewhere. Um, I'm hoping for snow anyway, rather than sort of rain and bog. So we'll we'll, we'll see. Oh yeah, I'm, snow would be nice. Yeah, yeah you can never really tell. No, 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 no. You can no, never no. really tell. Everyone wants the snow, and it doesn't always come no. but hopefully but brilliant now that, once again thanks very much and um, yeah I'll, uh, I'll I'll see you in January thank you Steve look forward cheers. to it thank you yeah, look right. forward to seeing you cheers mate cheers, thanks mate. a lot bye bye That's Damien. Um, yeah, so if you want to find out a little bit more about Damien, like I said, there is his book which is out at the moment called In It for the Long Run. If you go on YouTube and just search for Damien Hall, you will find um, many, many um, videos on there. He's a he's an innovate sponsored athlete, so um, he's been involved in a lot of their films. Great films that you can watch on uh, Amazon or, or wherever you get your sort of movies from is a, a film called Wrath which is about him and Beth Pascal um, breaking the record on the um, on the, on the Cape Wrath Trail in Scotland. Uh, totally FKT, which is the film um, regarding the, the FKT attempt on the Pennine Way, in which both his attempt and John Kelly's attempt is, is sort of shown side by side, even though they're weak apart. It's, it's really, really good film to watch. I like to say, you can, you can just find him anywhere as well. Uh, you can also go to his website. Uh, if you just search for Damien Hall on Google, you find there. He does do uh, coaching and coaching plans. If, if that's something you're interested in as well, you can go and do that. But um, I, w- I would certainly look this guy up. Um, and um, yeah, it, it just shows that you know, sort of, uh, a lot of us have come into this world sort of later in life, and it, it just shows the the what you can actually achieve while still having the life with your family as well. So um, the next podcast that is coming out is going to be a little bit of a special edition. Uh, I'm not going to say too much about it yet, but I am not going to be doing the interviewing myself. Uh, I've got a guest interviewer who's coming on, which I'm hoping um, he's, he's going to do a few more sort of interviews for us as well. Um, and that's going to be coming out in about a week's time. Um, but in the meantime, hope you enjoyed this with Damien Hall. Um, and remember, always a little further. We stand together, united as one. Forward on we go, facing friend and foe. We will know what that is. We have not time for that. If we make mistakes, we are lost. <laughs>